Roll for initiative. Welcome to the very first episode of Season 2 of On a Roll, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game. Because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to to have have fun. I am Ryan, the curmudgeon. And joining me, of course, is the legend, Carrie. And and Jason, the favorite. And also the one who's finally got eight hours of sleep for the first time in two months. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Well, not all in a row. (laughs) Yeah, but but it totaled up to eight hours. Believe it or not, we can still be found at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to to shitty podcasts. That's right. And this one, too. We're also where you listen to great podcasts. Right. Not this one. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, we're, on, we're on Twitter at Honor Roll Podcast. Tweet us. Facebook.com slash groups slash Honor Roll Podcast. Face us. Where you can email us <laughs> at hosts at Honor Roll Podcast. Host us. Dot com. <laughs> and of course, you can find us at patreon.com slash Honor Roll Podcast. Oh, you guys should patron us. Yeah. yeah. So good. before we get into any of the other stuff, let's quickly get a report about our Patreon backers who are patroning us. Yeah. All right, Carrie, patronize us. What? What? I don't think that means what you think it means. So, so uh,. Let's go ahead and mention all of our wizard level or higher backers. All right. So there. So there. First up, we have Cameron Pruitt. He's my favorite. Just because of the Pepsi. Huh? Well, yeah. Oh, you want to know the worst part? What? Is, is I drank my last Pepsi today. Oh, no. The last, the last Pepsi Cameron sent me. <laughs> so who else do we have? This is your big opportunity, Ryan Martin, to swoop <laughs> oh, in oh, and Ryan. carry Pepsi. Do you want to be my favorite, Ryan? Or the oh. favorite? You can be the favorite. If wait, you wait, wait. Jason's the favorite. <laughs> and next we have Drew Stevens. I like Drew. I like Drew, too. I like Drew a lot. Who else do we have? Noah Coltrip. I don't right. really know Noah very well, yeah, but we I, I like him. We are waiting just so that everybody knows. We owe Noah a roasting of his favorite character, and uh, we have sent him uh, uh, an email with the list of questions, and we're just waiting for responses. So, Noah, check, we, check your email. We or sent your him messages. a questionnaire, and we were like, do you like baked beans? Check your messages. <laughs> do you like George Went? Do you like George Went eating Eat baked beans? beans? So anyway, Everyone, all, these young people, all, all these younger people are going, what? Yeah. Hey, Brian Fox, our last wizard. Yes. You should email Noah or <laughs> message yeah. him on Facebook. Actually, <laughs> Brian's not our last one. What? what? Oh, that's true. We do have one more. Oh, that's right. The top secret one. Yeah, top secret one. And... I asked Dakota today what we should call our top secret. Uh, and what is the name? Her name for today is Sarah Cat. I like that. So, Sarah Cat. Sarah Cat. All right. Well, if you would like a shout out, we'd love to give you one. And you can also even get free stuff. Stuff? <gasps> free stuff's good. We do like free stuff. So you can get free stuff or it's just a shout out uh, by helping us, keep, helping us keep this show on the air. And you can do that by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. So. So. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, it was the final episode of season one. Okay, so I've slowly got caught up. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, a big part of what I've been doing. Jason, <laughs> Jason have you finished all 31 episodes? No. <laughs> You're at like 29 or 30, though. Uh, yes. I, d- today, I skipped ahead and listened to XP because I was on that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I listened Save to... Save versus Ego. Uh, I failed roll. Failed. And I listened to our two interviews, which the, that y'all did, which yeah. were very good, actually. They were two of our... Surprisingly good, right? Well, no. You know what? I love the... Uh, <laughs> perspective of a comic book author on story, right. because we always talk about how important story is in our games, whether it's the personal one that you're telling, or 
the one that uh, the storytellers are telling. Right. And I also love listening to somebody who is a professional in the field talk about the nuts and bolts of their life and what it took to get there and how they put out the role-playing games and things like that. It was very good stuff. Yeah. So having listened to most of the first season, who would you say was uh, uh, the host you liked the most? Me. I'm the favorite okay. after all. Okay. That's, That's fair. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So what else have you been up to? You've been working a butt ton. Okay. So let's see. The outage was, for me, 40 days straight of 13-hour days. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then... I, I, always, I always think it's very funny in like it's it's not quite oxymoronic but uh I love the fact that you are working on outages <laughs> like it's yeah, like, yeah. wait how did everything's when, out so that's outages when you when, is when everything stops but because right. you work because uh, everything stops somebody has to fix it right yeah and then we started another project right at the end of the year so I had about a week off Right, and then we started another project that, at the beginning of the year. So we went back on night shift, and now we've been doing uh, another week of twelve-hour days. Good so times. It's good for the paycheck, bad for uh, getting caught up on role play stuff. Right. So yeah. you haven't seen Bumblebee yet? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 Though I have seen everything else that was on my list, and good. I regret that I went to see uh, Aquaman instead of Bumblebee because Aquaman was terrible. Really. See, I, I've heard so many different views. Like, people are either saying it was terrible or they loved it and it was great. Like, there's no, there's, I've not seen anyone go, it was okay. Do you remember seeing uh, Wonder Woman and how great it was? Mm-hmm. But because it was a DC movie, there was a, moments when it was unintentionally cartoony and hollow. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's all of Aquaman. To me, like, I love the actor. Yeah. Uh, whose name I'm, I'm tired. Jason like. Momoa. Yes. Mm. He's so good. Uh, but then it's like somebody said, hey, man, do you remember back when you were on a football team and you're a real dude, bro? Can you just do that for four hours? And then we're going to edit that down to four and a half hours. Right. Yeah. So I've that heard, was part of my problem with it. Right. I've heard that that he is actually the worst part of the movie because the he's playing himself and it comes so easy to him that it almost feels feels disingenuous, the whole film. The best moments in the movie have nothing to do with Aquaman and everything to do with... The best part of the movie is the first 15 minutes in which him and his his mom and dad are interacting because they're both great actors. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, though, it is kind of creepy because they still haven't mastered making people look young yet. Sure. <laughs> uh. But that part was great. Then the 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 next, like, 10 or 15 minutes where he's in him and his dad are interacting because they play off each other very well. Right. And so this easy confidence that he has basically kind of playing himself works really great hanging out in a bar with this guy and talking about their lives. Right. And, but then for the next, uh, five or six hours, <laughs> I like how the movie keeps getting longer. Every That's time how you- I was watching it. <laughs> but you know what? There was a, there was some good stuff and it was almost really great. And they had a bunch of, Good actors. That's how I feel about this podcast. Yeah, it keeps yeah, almost, going on and on. There was good stuff, but it was just it was almost, almost really, really great. great. Oh, it was really great. What it's about you, be our Carrie? New tagline. What have you been up to, Carrie? Uh, well, you know, the holidays have kind of ate the holidays. Up. Yeah, yeah. I closed out my Kickstarter finally. Right. Yeah. So that was good. Like that so felt. The, the colorful tales of dreadful dolls coloring book done. is done. Done. <laughs> and I started up my Twitch channel. Cool. You should do a black and white coloring book. All grayscale. Uh, no, I mean, like, no, you they, have to, you only get to color it in with black. Oh, well, no, I was going to say, they actually do make grayscale coloring books. Oh, that's crazy. Weird. There's nothing so crazy that I make up that somebody's not already making money mm-hmm. on it. Those mm-hmm. bastards. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I've been Tell doing, us about this Twitch channel. It's crazy. I am not the most technology-based person. Hey, you figured it out, and I haven't well, yet. Well, I didn't... I'm still figuring it out. It's it's kind of scary, and, and, like, the sound is all not right yet. You'll get it. Yeah, eventually. Um, our, uh... Sean has been real helpful. Well, it is his and expertise. It is, it is, and so he's he's been, like, he does video chats with me to help me set things up and all So what that, do you so. do on your Twitch channel? Um, I do art. <gasps> so people can watch you draw? Yeah. Draw, or, paint, yeah. watercolor. What? what did you say? One for me, one for them, and one pop culture? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah, that's what I normally do. Um I've been doing a lot of uh watercolors and um I I've love started watercolors. Thank you. Um I've started doing the illustrations uh for the critters for the gun belt. Right. Cool. 
And um, I do have this neat, fun thing that's related to gaming that I do on my Twitch channel, though, and I think it's fun. Um, every time I get a follower, mm-hmm. I roll a d20, and if I get a natural 20, they get a very special Twitch-only postcard. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, I like it. So you were talking about this earlier. Is it twitching, tweeching, tweeting? Streaming. Streaming. You Twitch stream. You Twitch stream. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah. there you go. So it, there you if, go. if somebody wants to find that, where can they find it? www.twitch.tv slash Studios. Well, there you go. We'll link there to it in the, yeah. in the show, show notes, notes on the website. So, Ryan, what have you been doing? Um, gosh. Hey, the gun belt. You said there was a big uh, uh, advancement now? Is there? The dinosaurs? Or was that... Have you already announced that on oh, the Oh, well, I, you know what? The, the biggest thing that's ha- that happened is over Christmas break is I think that we have finally figured out... Uh, how to stat and and do dice rolls for dinosaurs. Yay. So that's the last big chunk, right? It's the last big chunk. You know, the reality is that, uh, you know, if you're going to do... So I don't know how much we've actually talked about the specifics of the gun belt, but sort of the, the 50 cent pitch is it's cowboys, robots, and aliens riding dinosaurs in a Western-themed world without wheels. Okay. Um, we jokingly refer to it as magnet punk. <laughs> I, I like the term magnet punk. Yeah, yeah. Wild West magnet punk. Right. It really is. And so, uh, so but one of the things is that if your big selling point is uh, your cowboy gets to ride a miniature Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, you should be able to roll dice to make your miniature Tyrannosaurus Rex bite the guy you're chasing. And it should feel like it. You should feel like, hey, I'm the dinosaurs are real. Right. And so we've struggled. We struggled a little bit with how to interact the the attributes and skills of the characters with the attributes and skills of the dinosaur. Because, for example, Jason, if you're on the back of your dinosaur, yes, okay, um, and you are going to have your dinosaur bite uh, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, um, <laughs> it's not very nice. No, uh, you know, in some way, like you have to tell the dinosaur bite Carrie. Whether, you know, somehow the way you handle the reins or whatever, like, just like if it was a real animal, you have to, you still have to steer a horse. So you right? have second action to make so, that happen? Right. But how do we do it in such a way that isn't, what we didn't want is for you to have to roll to command the animal to bite carry. Ooh, okay. And then you have to roll the animal trying to bite carry. Like, that just felt like a... Too many steps. Too many steps. And so we've, we basically kind of did this thing where, where we use your attribute that would be like your your yes, commanding attribute uh, and the and the dinosaur's biting skill because it's an attribute skill system so you use one attribute and one skill right and so what what happens is it's your your panache your charisma to make the animal use its bite on carry and the bite skill is prefigured with the animal's uh, yeah we, we do this or we've done this uh, uh, system where where animals don't actually have a list of skills they just have what's called wherewithal yes and and it's simplified everything and so yeah. animals got it, its own wherewithal number and and it rolls that with your and so dinosaurs use that correct okay because at one point you were talking about not using that with dinosaurs right and we ended up going back and forth on it for a while and, and did some play testing uh, where it was I say play testing very loosely because what it really was was he and I would sit at, at a restaurant at lunch rolling dice at one another. You, you know, know what? It's not really, it's playtesting, but not really playtesting. It is playtesting because that's sort of like statistical analysis of how this is actually going to yeah, play out. Yeah. And for combat, really, you don't need a whole table right. to figure that out. Yeah. So that's so that's kind of what we did. And, and you can all, you can fix it in second edition. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's right. So that was kind of the big, the big gum belt thing. And now, now we're starting to, uh, Carrie's starting to do some art for the critters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to reach out to, to some folks, uh, to our list of artists. We've got a list of five or six artists and we have casually spoken and got all of them to agree to do it. But now, <laughs> one, of, one of them I'm super excited one about. Of them really cool but I can't talk about it yet uh, but we are we have casually gotten them all to agree but now we have to actually talk financially getting yeah. them to agree which is not the same conversation mm-hmm. no no uh, so but anyway uh, it's it's pretty cool and we're so what's your it. six months you know we're kind of waffling um, I'm going to be running a few play tests over the weekend at Kanuga. Right. Uh, which, uh, for those of you listening, Kanuga is a big convention at the end of February here in Chattanooga, and the Honor Roll podcast is going to be there. We're going to record an episode in front of a live 
convention audience. Right. It's probably going to be an Ask Me Anything with... Something like that, yeah. Right. yeah. Or a Ask Us About Gaming, not about our personal lives. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of cool. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a few playtests there. Uh, I'm going to uh, Conglomeration in Louisville and Lexicon in Lexington, both in Kentucky. Those are both in April. Um, we're going to run playtesting there. And... and we're probably, hopefully, looking at some sometime like midsummer ish to be doing the Kickstarter with the book coming out towards the end of the year. That sounds awesome. So that's that's what we hope. Oh, that's a good schedule. Yeah. I like that. If you want to, if you want to see more, it's not very active right now because we're just now starting to gear up to where we we're at a point where we can start telling people about it. But you can go to uh, thegunbelt.com, um, which will take you to our Facebook page right now. Yeah. So. I- I'm very excited. I want to do another session. I think we need to do another actual play on here. Yeah. That's just that. I think maybe what we need to do is Carrie and I need to just roll up to the TVA reactor where you're working and, and we'll run a game there. It's important that you'll be shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to note that that there's a sign on the fence that says violators will be killed. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of violating people and killing people, uh, let's go ahead and go to combat rounds, shall we? Okay. <laughs> I haven't missed you at all. No, no, I know. <laughs> Okay, welcome to Combat Rounds, the very first Combat Rounds of Season 2. <laughs> so I thought that since this was the beginning of Season 2, uh, that our topic... Let's just end it. Right? <laughs> so here at the beginning, the topic is endings. Aw, that, that sounds sad. Right? You talk about endings a lot. You're obsessed by, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but it's very important to you that things have... Endings. Yeah, I think it's because I'm a I'm, I'm a creative and and like they say in the the new uh, Avengers trailer, you know the the end is part of the journey. Like it's important, right? It matters. Nailing the ending makes everything else better, doesn't it? Yeah, bending the nail, like fucking uh, the yeah. ending. It, it's bad. That's the worst thing. Sorry. Like I'd rather just have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I screwed an ending up on. So Carrie. it's a, I. I forgive you. You ended, up, you ended up getting to play that character as an NPC later on, and and it kind of got a little. It made it a little better, oh, but I a still. Better, I still yeah. dropped a ball on a perfect ending. And, no. and it's okay though. I I assume that wasn't role play related, but go ahead. No, it was. It was totally <laughs> role play related. So we're going to talk. told that story. Yeah. I know. I just. So we're going to. So we're going to talk about ending a chronicle or a. Uh, Maybe it's not, you wouldn't call it a chronicle. Maybe you'll call it, uh, like in a Dungeons and Dragons game, you're ending a campaign. Well, no, that's different. That's our next topic. Chronicles would have to be, the reason why it matters is because we play in a lot of connected games. Sure. Network games. So, so by chronicles, you want to you want to lump chronicles as like networked, connected, some type of organized play yes. where everything is being coordinated to come to one ending. Because that's a really different beast yeah. And so very few of us are any good at it because it's not something that's most people do twice. That's that is very true. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. And that's not even because it's so hard. It's because the time involved, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about chronicles, and then we're going to talk about games into ending your game, and then we're going to talk about uh, ending a character. Yes. Yes. So let's go ahead and get into chronicles. Then, um, first of all, with a, with a chronicle, why would you? Let's talk about the purpose of ending it. Why would you end it? What What's the advantage or disadvantage of it? Well, it's just like you were talking about as a creative, in particular, writer. Stories have to have. Endings. They closure. Work best with closure. And one of the founding principles of underground theater, and one of the things that attracted us to it, was the fact that we were guaranteed an ending. Right. Um, and- I'd like to say real quickly I know that there are some players and some storytellers or, or game masters that don't believe that. Like, I've actually had a player tell me the best ending is to not end. And I said, oh, okay. I don't believe that. But I, I think statements like that can be unhealthy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I also, though, don't want to be like, this is the definitive. Endings are it. You well, know? I want to say one thing. Yes. The Simpsons. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm just trying to make well, sure that... No, what's no, the thing about you have to be a hero or you stick around long enough to become the villain? Yeah. <laughs> the problem is you, it's not that you stick around long enough to become the villain. You stick around long enough to become trite. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or, or unrelevant. Because you know what? In The Simpsons are the perfect analogy because 
everybody at one point in their life pretty much loved that show. Yeah. And now everybody pretty much... Tolerates it. Tolerate. You know what? It's not a bad show. If it came on now with what the, what the content they have now... It'd I, be fine. I would watch it. Right. But just like I played in Chronicles that I kept playing in well past their expiration date... Because but they were so good. They were good, or right. they were still okay. Yeah. So Chronicles tend to happen most uh, in organized play, like, uh, so Adventure League or... Right. Um, Old RPGA. Right. Uh, and, and that's for tabletop. In in LARP, you've got, like, the, the Mind's Eye Society. They reset every so often. Uh, I don't think it's on a set schedule, though. Yeah, they just kind of decide, all yeah. right, we're, hey. we've lost attention. Let's do the next thing. Uh, or whatever they have reasons for. <laughs> I like to believe uh, they all sound like that. Right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna probably mostly talk about our experience with underground theater because their reset just happened, so it's very fresh on our mind. And we mostly were in some way involved, right? Yeah. You know, I was OST for a few years. All of us have story told in it. All of us have played in it. Yeah. So so um, most about, of us went to most of the event games. Yeah. So, and so I'll so say is, it's actually the only org reset I've ever had. Right. Right. Well, yeah. You know what? When I was in the MES, there were, were resets, but it was never while I was really playing. There right. was an ending once, and you know we talked about that earlier, and I forgot that we did play through the ending of the one of the resets, but uh, that was the first game we played in that Chronicle for like two years. And we oh. just came back to play the last game. Sure. That's okay. I forgot about it. Okay, so why should you end a Chronicle? Well, I think that it's healthy. Yes. Uh, first of all, it forces people to uh, have new different interesting characters or fresh takes on something they even if it's something they've done before they've got to do a fresh take on it it also means that the person writing the game has a lot more freedom that's one of the reasons that i enjoy being ost was because i'm like hey if i wreck the setting some which i think most great books wreck their own setting sure yeah then that's okay because in five years, it gets a reset button. It gets a reset button, and somebody else, or, or even me at the time, I assumed I would do it. They can start over and wreck it again. Their in own a way. different yes, way, yeah. In a different way, and do whatever they want because they don't have to worry about 20 years down the road, somebody going, Oh, crap, I've blown up the world three times. Now what? You know? Sure. Sure. What, do you, why, what else, Carrie, why do you think we, we, we should end Chronicles? Um, well, I agree with Jason with the healthy statement. I think that ending a chronicle allows players to do new things Absolutely. as well. You know, like not only is it good for a storyteller where, you know, oh, hey, it, it wipes the board and it allows them to uh, blow up the world again in a different way sure. or whatever. But, you know, in the same sense, it also allows the players to do that. Right. You know, I'm um, going to say another thing from the national storyteller side. It means that if you run the game through that and then you reset, it means that any you have an opportunity to look back at any mistakes you've made, mm-hmm. any good choices you've made, and now you can re you can incorporate you, that into the next one. And and it's a fresh starting line to yes. start with those incorporated right out the gate. Yes. Yes. I also think that it provides an opportunity to to break up uh, groups or cliques of players. Uh, I hate to use the word click because I don't want it to sound negative. And for whatever reason, clicks can be positive, but we always think of clicks as negative. But but groups and coteries and organizations and things like that that occur in play naturally, um, it, it gives new players uh, opportunities to interact with other players that maybe those sort of barriers they they yes, were, absolutely didn't have the opportunity to to break through. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, have some. Yes, have some. So what are the drawbacks? <laughs> Why, what, what's the bad side of doing a, a Chronicle reset? Well, you've got to start over. Yeah. You know, like, if, if you spent five years writing a history, making a character, making friends with this character, and you know, uh, puppeteering and, you know, making lines and doing all these things, and then when you start over, you're starting over. Okay, so one player talked to me about the problem with resets for him, and it was that short chronicles favor loud players. If you're very personable, if you've got a big personality, like... Yeah. And you're loud and make really bold, brash moves. You are almost always going to be better off during a short chronicle because people react to that differently. Right. Now, if you're the if you're a quiet, more introverted player, you need a long time. You have a long build up. Right. You're a slow burn. 
Five years isn't always enough. Five years sounds like forever. I think it's. I think of five years as being forever. But then I go, wow, we we just ran through a five year chronicle sure. like that. Yeah, it feels like yesterday right. when we started it. By the way, <laughs> I just I just want to apologize because just a second ago I killed half the population. Uh, of the entire <laughs> oh universe. my god! Stop my that. Finger. Sorry, uh, my Thanos bad. So I, this guy was like, look, as a as a person who's more introverted, the longer the chronicle, the better for me. And that means that whenever you, you think about your chronicle length, you should figure out ways to adapt it to the different playstyles. Right. I think the other the the other one that we don't like to talk about, but the the other disadvantage is you end up with the lame duck final year. That is so tricky, and it's something that I thought a lot about when I was OST, how we were going to keep people energized. And the things that I came up with, I'm not 100% sure if they would have worked. Right. I didn't get a chance to try them. So Mostly you, they were breaking the setting more. You were yeah. an OST, which is the organizational storyteller, yes. which means you were in charge of the national chronicle plot sure. uh, for the five-year period for a while. Right. You, it, at some point you had stepped down because of work and things. but Ouch. And it's super stressful. Right. <laughs> So uh, I was I was trying to give you a, a, a kind out. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Two things happened. Uh, I had an opportunity, which it did not pan out, but that that was on me. Uh, and also, I was crazy burned out. And I think that five years is a long time for anybody to be a national level storyteller of any org or group whatsoever. Yeah. Well, at least at the level you were doing it at. Well, you, you also, also did yeah. 110%. That's really what's required, though. I, really. I think you went a little I, above and beyond. Well, I, really I appreciate – I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, it definitely. But I but, should have uh, – any, anyway, to say – what I'm trying to say is the fact that it's difficult to sustain the level of enthusiasm. Necessary. Necessary yeah. mm-hmm. for that length of time. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would Even say at that five years. If you had only went at, if you had only went at 100% instead of 110%, I would have made probably, it three years. You would have made it three years. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. But um, so – most of the ideas that I had to, to, to prevent the lame duck were things like, uh, and this is a vampire chronicle, so let a player be a Justicar, which is super tricky. It can be, it can be genre-breaking. Right, and that was the big fear. A lot of people were against it because it could be genre-breaking. Right. I, uh, I think if it happens in January of the final year, like how much genre can you break in, in 12 months? And I'm willing to kill a PC for breaking genre too much. Yeah, I think That's so too. at that level. Yeah. If you become a national... PC, right? Then it's all bets are off. Uh, I think I probably could have handled it, but I can also see how one person, if it was the wrong person, it only takes one. Yes, it could have. <laughs> if I had chosen poorly, or things had worked out badly, no it one, wrecked in, the whole no game. one in any organized play ever, ever in the future would be able to have a Justicar PC if it had went badly. Right, and <laughs> and uh, ultimately the people that were on the board and uh, the people above me in the storytelling chain were hesitant enough that. It never happened. Right. And it was never going to happen because the, uh, the other OSTs talked about doing it too. But the problem is, is that to keep it interesting, you have to have managed expectations and the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the rise of action mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. So that it doesn't peter out at the end and that's next impossible. And then even great you- authors fail. Right. At that last couple of chapters. And- Stephen King. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen King has a long history of that. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, his movies do that. Yeah, they uh, can. Yeah, you know George R. R. Martin has uh, come up with the greatest strategy ever, which is just <laughs> I'm going to take so long to write the last book that I'll be dead and not have to, and then everyone will will Kirk obey yeah, me. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> I I have begun to believe that that's exactly what he's doing. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that the stress is so much because endings are so hard that. He's got a great beginning, a wonderful middle. Oh fuck! There is. A, I do think. <laughs> no, that, I think what he's doing is he's doing exactly what he does. He's just waiting off to kill himself off, <laughs> like, like he does with I, all the characters. <laughs> I do think that there is an element of being unable to satisfy. Sure. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. No one. No one's going to be one hundred percent happy with your ending. Yeah. You yeah. can make enough people happy with your middle, right? Because they still have hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think to me the the other problem with with the five year thing is you never know what the the out of character climate and situations is going to be either. Like we were talking about that lame duck year, and for example, in underground theater, 
I think that the lame duck year was was is partially because of those in character sort of plot things Starting that we're down. talking about. But then it, uh, underground theater also suffered from uh, some leadership changes right. that did not go smoothly. And it happens. Uh, yeah. And it also suffered from some convention problems with their national games uh, right. that did not go smoothly uh, and things like that. And, and you never know what those sort of out of character things are going to come up that will cause problems uh, in that final year. And so so when like with Underground Theater, the lame duck year, I think, was particularly bad because the in character things didn't ramp up quite properly and the out of character things were lining up poorly in a, in a negative way. Yeah. And when those two things came together, it created a, 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 a final year of games just in just dropping off. Well, you know what? They were it's like a, super lame ducks. It's right? a, it's an easy moment to step away. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we did, we all, not that we don't play underground theater anymore, but we stepped away from STing cause it's a, it's a moment of transition. It's easy to step away then. Right. Right. I'm going to say something from uh, the the perspective of someone who would one day like to run a a long-term chronicle for something of their own. To me, there's a financial idea here of as long as the game keeps running, people will keep playing it. And so there's a huge incentive for groups like Dystopia Rising and uh, Near International, which is going through a huge mess right now, Mm. to always continue their story. Because that means people keep playing. Right. And whether that's healthy or not, it's financially rewarding. Sure. Because those people keep playing because they're invested in their characters and whatever the stories are. But the difficult dilemma is balancing that, that truth, balancing that truth with the mechanical truths of things like character bloat. Well, I think that's the reason why you have to figure out... Systems it's, need to address character bloat. We've talked right. about that before. It's why I talk a lot about the importance of, of character endings. Well, let's you know, let's go ahead. And, we'll, we'll get we'll get let's there. Let's go to game yeah. endings because uh, I think that's an, unless you get something else. I was, to say just, about I was just gonna with the chronicle thing. I was just gonna note that that it's a it's a very difficult thing to to balance character bloat with with that. Like at some point, you know, we always talk about like the the experience point, the XP battery. Yes, you know, like at some point, the character has bought. Every level of every discipline in Vampire, or every gift, every game, or whatever the game is. At if some you can point, buy everything, you've bought everything, right? And at some point, they're just an XP battery, and and you know that's not sustainable. Yeah. So, <laughs> when we'll, we we'll get to the character yeah. stuff, I'll so talk let's about talk about ending a game. So, uh, Carrie, you just ended your Vampire game oh, after dude. five years. How do you how do you feel like it went? Because as the head storyteller, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I actually think that I experienced the lame duck year pretty hard. Okay. As a storyteller, not as not as a player. Okay. Um, but as a storyteller. I felt um I struggled a lot the last year. Right. Oh, uh, I just, did too. Yeah. And, and so I just had a really hard time with it. Why? Well, in in what way? Um like you struggled with the idea that you have to end it or you struggled no, with like, continuing to make it to the end. I to make it to the end that I wanted. Like I wanted to give my players a big I wanted the, them to think about the the last game and be excited. Memorable. And memorable. We handed out little uh, necklaces at the end of our game. Right. Uh, we, we let everybody go home with a prop. With a prop, like a physical prop. That, that was a great idea. And the, the prop mattered in the final scene. Right, exactly. And, um, like, I've got ours hanging in our car right now. Oh, I didn't know and, that. That's cool. um, and somebody, I, th- I think it was Jessica, told me she's got hers hanging in her car, too. Yeah. And, like, it, and she goes, and every time I look at it, it makes me smile. And I was like, oh! <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted. You know, so like, even though it was very stressful to get to the end, you feel like you were successful. Yeah, I do. I because do. I told this story before that, you know, at the end, all of our vampires went to a weird alternate dimension and, and they all and became, became humans. humans. Right. Yeah. And kind of, like every role playing story sounds dumb unless you're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our, our twist, our take on the vampire ending was instead of because the, the easy vampire ending is chaos and then a, apocalypse or Gehenna or like right. in the, the world ends, everybody dies. And we thought let's let's have a vampire game have a happy ending. Happy wasn't the wasn't what we wanted. We wanted hope. Right. I like that. Yeah, because now Which, they, they've got something to do with the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. Like we didn't get, we didn't hand them an easy out. We handed them hope. 
Right. I like it. Why should games end? Because we're not just talking about your LARP. Like, right. The LARP, the vampire LARP, needed to end because the Chronicle was ending. Mm-hmm. It also needed to end because the storytelling staff was burned out. Yes. <laughs> right? But then, like, if you're running a long campaign at your table, a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that's went on for three years, why should it end? Why, why, should your, uh, why should your mush game end? Like, mush games end typically, most mush games end because they just don't have a player base. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say this. All games end. Because they don't have a player base. Yeah. Most games don't end well. Right. So well, that's most my games, perspective. Most games don't end. They fizzle. Yeah. Right. Well, it's it's over, and then everybody stops playing the game. Right. And But s- you never got any closure right. or any final story. Mm-hmm. Well, I ended a, a mush game once. Uh, we noticed that our we were starting to fizzle. And I said, no, no, we're, we're not we're not ending with a fizzle. We're going to end the, it. The weird thing about mushes is that uh, once they start to fizzle, you cannot save them. No, they, I, that's they true fizzle. of a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Games. really, yeah. really hard to do any kind of CPR. So, y'all decided to do the big ending. Yeah. And so, you know, I I held a meeting. I was like, everybody be on channel at you know, at this time so we can talk about it. And I was just like, hey, guys, this is dying. And they were all like, we know. And they were all very sad. And I said, I'm going to I'm going to run an ending. We've got I'm going to end it in three weeks or whatever it was. Start wrapping your things up. And uh, we, we ran a couple uh, combat scenes to give the the players a moment to to save what they wanted to save. Like they they it was for fifth wave. Right. Um, and so, like, they went in to uh, battle the army and the bad guys, and they saved the kids and, you know, did all the things they needed to do. And then we took, I think it was two PCs, went off, and uh, they they did the big thing that needed to happen to... to stop the alien invasion. Stop the alien whatever. invasion, right. you know, and, uh, and, you know, one of the characters was sacrificed. Right. Ooh. And, uh, you know, and, like, but, like, we didn't uh, let the player base know that the character died. So that it was just like, he never comes back. Oh, cool. And so like, and it was good. Cause like, I still have the, those players still come to me and go, what happened? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it gives a air of, uh, it's the same moment as the necklace. Okay. So I have something to ask because you two have been involved in something that I haven't, which a is three way. What? <laughs> 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 Most of the time, I'm in one ways. I'm so, I'm so glad my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> she does <Okay>. now. <laughs> quick, quick anecdote. One day, my mom was like, "Hey, uh, so your podcast? Um, <laughs> should I listen to it?" And I'm like, "Is there is there anything that I'm gonna like uh, be interested in?" I'm like, "Don't bother." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not because of anything I'm going to say or do, but you will have no favorite reference and you won't care. <laughs> <laughs> Back the to the is, three-way. There's no, I know both of you very well at this point, and there's no way Ryan will ever be in a three-way. <laughs> <laughs> I like, That's the I, most laughable part. I like that there's no doubt that I would, though. <laughs> You were in Rocky Horror for years. I'm certain that you have been. (laughs) And it was probably with four or five dudes that were super buff. I wish. Yeah. Hey. You know. Okay. So things that we can leave in. (laughs) We're leaving all of it. Leaving it all in. All of it. I thought we were letting it all out. (laughs) The. uh, (laughs) I think we broke Jason. (laughs) So. A chronicle that never ends. The two of you were, have been in one, mm-hmm. and mm. technically that chronicle has still it's not still ended. going. It's still going, and um, really, sort of two of them because the TGN, the Grunation, mm-hmm. which came out of one world, right? Yeah, and both one night. Yes, yeah. one world by night. Both of them have not ended. And Correct. TGN is an extension of that same storyline. Yeah, and y'all both ran games in both of those. Yes. So what? What's the difference? What do you? What do you like about that? And what? about that convinced you that they had to end? Uh, Well, one of the really neat things when you first join an org like that is that, like, you come in and there's all of this history. Oh, now, I I did love that because I played in y'all's game and Mm -hmm. I met some NPCs that were... Descendants of past PCs. And that were, like, 15? Yeah. 15? And that they were born in-game? 
Right. Yeah. That was pretty badass. But yeah. there is there is certainly something cool about carrying that history, but there is also a burden of carrying mm-hmm. that history because you're a new player and now you have to learn it. Oh yeah. yeah. It was difficult it, coming into but, y'all's game because but you struggled. I didn't know any of that stuff. But it was okay. Here's why it's okay. In those two two organizations, it's okay because they're White Wolf games. And White Wolf as a publishing company bears the burden of too much history. So even <laughs> so yeah. it's, not it's in difference. genre. Yeah, like if you just by picking up a vampire book and playing a vampire game, there are nine hundred source books that, of history that of you which could you pull only from. have a third, right? Yeah. And so it was kind of like it's kind of okay because the White Wolf, the canon history that's been printed is so daunting that it's okay that there's another 15 years of organizational history on top of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would say the biggest problem with that organizational history is not the history per se, but the, you know, at work we have this term where we talk about tribal knowledge, which is everybody knows how to do this thing. Right. Because everybody's just told, hey, man, no, you, you don't do it like that. You do it like this. We There was a right, right. And in Werewolf. That we've actually ran, about- Yeah, it was ran wrong for like 10 years. And some, some a brand new player was like, that's not how that works. Look, right here in the book. And literally every game in the org went, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's not how that works. And <laughs> if you have resets, it feels like to me that it's easier to find these better interpretations. Yeah. Well, it wasn't an interpretation. It was just, we were running it wrong. <laughs> like the whole org was just running it wrong. It's so all derpy. What about that has convinced you? Because both of you seem pretty hardcore for resets now. I actually think, truthfully, and we're we're getting toward moving towards talking about character endings. Sure. But I actually personally think that it's okay for a chronicle to go indefinitely if characters are limited in in time. Okay, what do you feel about games then? Should a game just run forever and trade out storytellers as each person collapses? I, not necessarily. I, I think it really just depends on the game. Okay. I, I, I truly do. Like if you have a regular group that comes every every month and there's 30 of you and they and even if it's, you know, today a different 30 than it was 10 years ago, but you still have 30 people, then I mean if it wants to keep going, let it keep going. But I think that it's important that all 30 of those characters eventually turn over. I, I still think that what's going to happen is, um, you know how we talk about character bloat? Right. Well, I, I think there's a such thing as, like, game bloat. Uh, I played in in the T, that TGN Werewolf game and right. went to a big event game years ago and uh, had a great time. But one of the worst part of that experience was every single person I met there had been to Malpheus. Or <laughs> <laughs> right, they'd all went to the, the the realms that they shouldn't have come back from. Right, and it cheapens Several times. it cheapens the canon. Yeah, yeah, and the reason why they'd all done that is because they'd been playing for twenty years. Right, and at some point in those twenty years, somebody will run something crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and here's why: because at some point you've ran out of all the normal stuff. Right, so and so you want to run something big and different, and what you. Because you can't keep topping, it's impossible. Right. So you wind up with something that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. The greatest Dungeons and Dragons game that I ever played in uh, ran for about three years. Right. And uh, there were three of us who were the core players, and it was a game of like six or seven people. But the They'd other rotated. the other three or four people ro- rotated out over the course of the three sure. years. Um, but there was three of us who were like the they were, we were the stars, if if you will, and. Uh, it was fantastic, and it was epic and huge, and we all had incredible character development and, and great stories, and the plot came to an end, and when that happened, we took like a couple weeks off and played a different game for a few weekends, and then uh, started back up with those characters doing like a, um, you know, we, we let a couple of years pass in time, and then uh, started a new adventure. And the new adventure went for about three months and then, like, fizzled out. Sure. And and I always look back on that and, and look at the lesson that I learned there, which is sometimes if if you tell the epic, the most epic, greatest story ever, like, if you, if you come to the end of an adventure and look back and go, wow, that was the greatest Dungeons & Dragons game that I have ever played, then let it be over. And start a new game okay, with new so characters. I'm I'm not a fan of Buffy, right? But I've watched a bunch of episodes because everybody I was friends with at the time was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. But I will say 
that the real ending, when she, what, jumps into the big portal or something and closes because she's magical, that was, it was really good watching that yeah. episode. It was a well-crafted yeah, I, I, episode, yeah. and, like, there was people weeping in the room right. and, like, hugging each other, and then next week, you know, it got picked up again. Not next week, but, you know, it gets picked season. up again. Next season. And they, they start right back over. And every moment beyond that felt hollow. Because right. it was like, hey, we ended it with something really cool and badass and in character and wrapped up a whole bunch of stuff, but here we are again. Do you, do you and remember it was that, so hollow. Do you remember that ep- the, the one of the most famous, greatest episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation is the one where, where Picard becomes Locutus for the first time? At the end of that episode, like, Picard is Locutus of Borg, and he, he's he's on the Borg ship, and he and Riker is in charge of the Enterprise. Yeah, and, he, and they've got, he's got the button that's going to fire this thing that's going to completely wipe out the Borg, and, uh, and basically he has no choice, and he's got to do it. And the last moment of the episode is, is, is he says, Mr. Worf, fire. And then it says, to be continued. And we wait till the next season, and no joke, the opening scene of part two of The Best of Both Worlds. I don't know why I remember the name of the episode, <laughs> but I do. It is a pretty famous episode. It is. Uh, it is famous. And the opening scene, it opens with Mr. Worf, fire, and Worf presses the button, and the computer goes, <laughs> and then Worf makes a perplexed face and pushes the button again. And nothing happens. It's a malfunction. And so you just, and it's like, what the fuck was this? <laughs> this is the dumbest thing ever. It's, it's Bobby's it's in the it, shower. Right? Yeah. Bobby was in the shower and it was all a dream. Like, it was the worst. See, that's the problem. Without endings, you cannot have these big moments. Right. And so, so if you ever look back and go, wow, this Chronicle that I just finished, or the adventure in this Chronicle was the best one that I've ever ran in the history of, of all of my gaming playing then uh, let it be done and have everybody roll up new characters. Mm-hmm. What is it that performers Start say? New. You have to leave them wanting more. Yeah. Yep. If, if you don't leave while you've still got something in the tank, right. it, you'll regret it. So we've got about 10 minutes. Let's talk about characters. <clears throat> so uh, Kill all of them constantly. <laughs> that's usually me. No, that's, that's what we were talking about earlier, is that Ryan and, and you mm-hmm. firmly believe that you have to have character turnover. Yes. yes. Frequently, I, that's dead. I but. firmly believe, you know, we, uh, we touched on this on our XP episode last season, but I firmly believe that things like floor are are addressing problems that character turnover should also be contributing mm-hmm. to the solution of. And I know, like, one of the things we struggle with is, like, the new By Night Studio system was very much written with the intent that uh, the heroes, the PCs, shouldn't die. Unless they choose to. Right. Uh, I feel like that's a design flaw. Like, because I think in a long-running LARP, like, if it were to run more than five years, you start ending up with those characters being bloated. Where do they go? What can they do? Yeah. And and that creates a need for a thing like Floor XP, where new players start with a bunch of extra XP so that they can still be operating on the same level as the five-year-old characters. Sure. But all you're really doing is just adding new bloated characters to the mix. It's part of the reason why I feel like XP is a much more complicated <laughs> problem. Sorry. The way you explained that, it just sounded like a giant shipwreck. With all these, like, it, bloated. Is. It's, it is. It's like hypothyroidism. <laughs> the LARP. Right? Can we call it LARPothyroidism? So we all agree that one of the problems with long-running chronicles and long-running characters and long-running games is the fact that at some point you run out of things to buy and right. do. And you start just maintaining you're, like there, there does come a point where your character has been to Malpheus. Your character has, uh, you know, has already battled the Abyssian bred Red Tarask. Like your your character has fought Tiamat. <laughs> you so know, like once it becomes blasé, at, at some cares? point, right? Yeah. Start over. You know, and and I also think that uh, a reset on characters. Um, I think it also humbles us as players. It teaches us oh, yeah. humility, and and we appreciate. One of the greatest experiences I ever had was when I went from like a level 16 or 17 character that we had, I had played for a couple of years. And then that campaign ended and we started a new one. And and it was the first time ever where I was part of a game where the DM said, 
everyone roll up level one characters. Yeah. I had, I had never experienced that before because the game before that was was one of my first D&D games. But, like, I mean, we rolled up we, when we started the game, oh. everyone rolled up, like, level seven or something. I mean, like, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, rolling up a level one character, like, you can't take a shit without a saving throw. That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, it was a big deal. And and suddenly, like, <laughs> there there is something really fascinating about walking up and suddenly that cobalt is scary just annoying yeah right things are scary again and you start to appreciate the genre and the world that you're playing in that it, a real problem with long-term characters is a genre tends to break down because you're not afraid of anything anymore right mm-hmm. because you filled all your weaknesses and, like we talk about on xp so and yeah. the big problem with that is those long-term characters and well the players that are playing those influence new players. Right. They're blasé as well. Yeah, because then they're like, well, if Bob isn't afraid of Tiamat, why should I be afraid of Tiamat? Because right. Tiamat's going to step on you. And I also <laughs> like, you know, one of the other complaints, uh, one of the other reasons Floor exists in a LARP org uh, like UT is because players who play for four years and end up with a character with 200 XP on it or 300 XP, whatever, whatever the number are, is, yeah, uh, they don't want to die and have to make a 7530 XP character. For the last they, year. Because they feel, well, it doesn't even matter if it's the last year, even if the game ran forever. They look at it and they say, and they say, I just played for, for 10 years and now I have to completely start over at zero. And they, they feel there's a sense of entitlement and I think that if character turnover occurs regularly, like uh, like one of the things I remember is that in, in TGN, uh, I don't remember One World as well. It was a long time ago. But sure. it, one of the things I remember about TGN, <laughs> in, in, in TGN, when your character died, uh, you started over at zero, except because you had played for so long, you got like 25 XP or something. Which is extra. really not it's that nothing. No, it's not. It's nothing. No, because there's like 2,000 XP sheets, right? Right. Right, and then you would die, and you'd get twenty five. Yeah, I, I will say this though: TGN, and I know it's because it was Werewolf, uh, but TGN also did this really cool thing where you know all the games would do the right of um, a, the gather, a burial, the gathering, gathering for the for departed. The, departed. Right. the funeral. So, it was a funeral. It was right. a funeral for your character, and so it always gave people an ending, a closure, a closure. Everybody's yeah. standing there saying nice things about my my dead character. Makes right. it okay to have a small character. <laughs> I but, also think that one of the beauties of Werewolf is it is designed for character turnover. Not only is it a dangerous game, but more than that, if you're successful, you also have to retire. The more successful you are, the sooner you have to retire. Yeah. And so one of the one of the things that I always liked about about TGN was that character turnover was common. And so it actually broke that barrier down. And very rarely would you hear someone say, I don't want to start over at zero. It was really rare. Because they'd all done it. Because everyone had done it. And so, uh, and, and I think that there, it creates an appreciation of genre and it makes you appreciate the value of the experience point. You know, you don't mm-hmm. take it for granted. Um, and it, it gives you perspective on dealing with new players and their new characters. Uh, you know, it, I if I understand the difficulties and challenges of having nothing on my sheet then I am going to give them tasks they can do. I'm yeah. going to be more aware of, you know, when my elder character needs to involve them in the plot, because that's what being a good player means, is involving new players. I'm, I'm going to be more aware of how to do that in a way that they can handle with their baby sheet. Uh, you know what? I guess it also helps break up clicks, because suddenly you're in this powerful click and now your character's dead. And you come back and you can't rejoin it because you just can't compete. And even if you, you could get, even if they're like, yeah, man, you're still in it. You, you can't, you're not on their right. level anymore. You need to find some other people on your level. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things about having a character uh, turnover or die or, or retire even is you've got to know when it's time. Right. How do you know? So when you have it's to sunset. Time? Yeah. Well, I think sunsetting is kind of I use sunsetting to me means uh, orchestrating an ending. You know, it's not necessarily completely planned, but usually when you sunset a character, you go to your ST and you say, this character's, this character's run the course. I'm ready to make something new. Uh, can you provide me with an opportunity to have this character's story end? Okay. And so it may or may not be scripted or or more or less influenced by you and what you want to see or whatever. 
Um, but I think that the first step, though, is knowing it's time. How do you know when it's time to let a character well, go? Well, I think that it's important that some systems have started to adopt uh, mechanical enforcement of that. Not like you hit a certain amount of XP necessarily, though some do that. For example, in Pugmire, the game stops at level 10. Right. Now, you can certainly keep playing if you want to, but it deliberately, um, there's no advantage to it. And so it's designed so that you kick back to level one and play a new character back right. up to level 10. And then those level 10 characters are still floating around out there. They, it's kind of like in Werewolf. They become an elder NPC and they go off and do... They do elder stuff. Heroic feats. And then you've got a game like Dystopia Rising, which again, I haven't played, but I've read enough and talked to people. Your characters have a certain number of lives. Uh, the game is dangerous. All the combat is pretty deadly from the way I understand. And so if you get knocked down you're going to have a final time that you get knocked down. But then you get to come back as a powerful zombie NPC or something like that. So you get an ending. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I think that mechanical stuff like that really helps because it's it's difficult to tell when you're done. Right. Because you're, you're emotionally attached. Sometimes it happens. I had a character that I knew was done. I had a, I had a werewolf character that I role-played for probably five or six years. And at, and at some point I was, I've gone as far as this character can go. If he goes any further, he will become broken to a point of not being fun. Right. And and it was time to, to let him go, and, and I worked with my STs to, to create a sunset for him, and it was wonderful. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. What I hate, though, is, is all too often these systems work like this. You don't get a cool, heroic ending. You accidentally go off in the woods by yourself, and then you die. Right. And there's nobody around to do the thing that would make you not dead yeah. or save you. And so suddenly you got killed by bandits. Yeah, to, <laughs> to storytellers who are listening, to your to GMs, oh, yeah. and DMs, to GMs and DMs, I would say this. I would say if you ever have a player with a really high-level character come to you and say, I'd like for this character to, to come to an ending – Work with them to enable that to happen and help them have a great ending because you will have a player for life. Make uh, it fun. Make yeah. it fun. Don't don't be like, well, we'll see if something happens. You know, it happens, and then roll them because they didn't want to play it anymore. Sure, don't do that. Like, ask them, what do you? What would? How would this character in the world? What would draw him to go away? How would you like him to go away? And, and maybe they'll say, I'd like him to die fighting the greatest dragon ever. Okay. Right. Then throw the greatest dragon ever at him let him and, yeah. and kill him off if that's what he wants. Or he might or, say, I want to retire to my keep. Right. But if, <laughs> if, if your player says, I'd like to go just to go back home, then give him a reason – give him or her a reason to take their character back home. Yeah. Oh, your father has passed away and it's your time to take up the family lands or – that can be a Your satisfying Your husband has ending. been assassinated, and now you have to go grieve him. Right. And you get to run a little story where you figure all that out, and all the other players get to... You get to have a big moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I'm done, guys. I yeah. can't do this anymore. And some of this gets into the the theories of, you know, knowing that it's okay to let other people in your gaming group have the spotlight and be the star of the story for a session. That's yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So anything else you guys want to add about endings other than that they're they're important and good and They're good because you without endings you can't have new beginnings. That's true. And and without endings you never feel fulfilled. You don't get closure. You know what I mean? Uh like like I said earlier, great books have great endings. Let your great character have a great ending. You'll get another book. You'll get another character. <laughs> So there you go. There you go. go. All right, well, let's move on to game. Words of wisdom. All right, welcome to Game Wrap. Well, there you go. There we go. It's the ending. Speaking of endings. Season two, episode one, in the can. To be fair, we're going to last forever, though, right? Uh, (laughs) I, I think we should... Go f- until we're sick of it and then fizzle out. Oh, f- just like a mush. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's some character bloat happening at this table. No, it's just you. <laughs> All right, from well, your food. We can be found at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you want to find your podcasts. Uh, you can go to Twitter and follow us at honorrollpodcast. You can go to facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. You can go to hosts at honorrollpodcast.com and of course uh, if you want free stuff and you want to help us keep the show on the air and maybe even get a shout out you can go become a patron at patreon.com slash 
on a roll podcast. Please. So, welcome to the end of the first session of campaign season two. Oh, goodness. I, I like guess it's Googly. time to give out XP. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, so, Jason, you get three XP, one for each way. Whoa, that's way more than I normally get. <laughs> I know, right? Carrie, you get seven XP because oh. today's your lucky day. That's right. Getting lucky. In, in the you get to have night. a onesome tonight. <laughs> Every night. Yeah. All right. Well, join us next week when we live broadcast from hyperthyroidism, the LARP. Oh. <laughs> What's the matter? It's okay. <laughs> Bloated. You don't, don't think you can stomach it? No. You've been listening to the Honor Roll Podcast. <laughs> Until next time, remember, the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. Okay, that's fair. and opinions expressed on the Honor Roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else. All of the music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Uh-huh.